2: Hey, hey, welcome back, everybody. Episode 34 of the Announcer Schedules podcast is live. What's going on? I'm your host, Mike Gill. Phil DeMont is back from at Announcer Schedules. And, of course, you guys out there as we take you through the journey of all the broadcasting stories and news that is happening with all the play-by-players, the analysts, the sideline reporters, and more. We'll look at NFL, Super Bowl, the NFL championship games, NBA, and all uh, the hockey and everything that's happening, college basketball. It's a busy time of year, but the biggest stage is about to come, Phil, and we have a huge story, too. Uh, that really uh, will be talked about a lot with Tom Brady officially announcing from football. So that will spark some conversation in this podcast, I'm sure. I have a lot of thoughts. I'm sure you have some thoughts. So uh, let's get into it, man. Episode 34, like, rate, review, subscribe, leave us a comment. These things help keep us uh, doing this podcast. If you can like and rate and review and subscribe and leave comments that helps out with all the algorithm stuff gets us higher up the list and uh yeah we appreciate everybody who has been engaging and leaving questions and comments and all that good stuff but let's get into episode 34 which was nfl championship sunday and the eagles my eagles are going to the super bowl fly eagles fly kevin burkhart Greg Olson, I thought they had a great game, which brings up a very interesting conversation here in topic number two. Uh, and then Bengals Chiefs Nance and Romo, another interesting conversation for those guys. Harlan and Warner on the radio. Ian Eagle, Tony Baselli. By the way, Ross Tucker, who was a part of the Westwood One, he'll be a guest of my radio show this week. So uh, looking forward to talking to, to Ross. Uh, but the two broadcast team, it was kind of a tale
1: of two teams. Yeah, I mean, it seems like we're having the same exact discussion each week, and um, you know, CBS once again with the Nance Romo Wolfson and Feely team on Bengals and Chiefs. That was a heck of a, a ball game, as far as the the excitement down the stretch too. And once again, you know, people you know throwing jabs at, at Romo in terms of his style and everything. And you know, I I can't help but think back to the big contract he signed. You know, early twenty twenty. 10 years, $180 million. And that started the whole domino effect, you know, with all these other, you know, enormous contracts for this, these A-team uh, talent across the, the networks that cover the NFL. And I'm not saying that once he signed the contract, he he changed necessarily. I'm I, no one, you know, I, I'm in no place to, to make that conclusion. However, I just, it just makes me think, hard about that contract and around that same time in a couple years prior you know a lot of quality talent throughout these sports networks were being laid off and stuff and most of it was because of you know uh, budget reasons at least that's what management was saying and then here's Romo signing this 10-year 180 million dollar deal you know if he would have made just five million dollars less that equals and and I know I'm sure you know bean counters will tell me otherwise that it's not apples and oranges but you know just looking at the numbers 20 more employees at 250,000 a pop right and a lot of guys making around that amount of money were being laid off by the networks around those those years you know preceding that so you know it it just kind of rubs me the wrong way <laughs> that guys make that much money. I mean, I, it's, this isn't sour grapes, you know? I mean, heck, it, it is what it is, and you're supposed to go out and get what you get. But it's got to be part of the discussion, you know, when when you think about what he was like before the contract and after. And obviously, you know, as he gets further away from the game, which we have talked about, you know, what, what does, you know, is he putting in the preparation? And did it just come so easy for him? when he was, you know, fresh out of the league and and in those quarterback rooms and and so forth. So, you know, I don't want to make this show all about Tony Romo yet again, but it's continuing to be a a big, big uh, topic. And, you know, as the stakes get higher and higher, CBS has the Super Bowl next year. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, a lot of discussion once again coming off these conference championship games on the – uh, you know, performance of Tony Romo in the booth. Yeah. I
2: mean, quite frankly, you know, I know, um, when Romo started, he was the excitable guy. He seemed like the fan that was in your living room. And, you know, maybe that just is something that wore on people quickly. You know, I talked about McAfee a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm a big fan of McAfee, but I was worried that some some sort of overexposure and I'm not saying that Romo has been overexposed because you don't see him other than the games all that much, but his style may have just kind of been like, Hey, this was kind of neat for a game or two or three, but now you're not really, I figured out that you're not really telling me anything. There was a point in the game and I can't stand when this happened. And this is a big pet peeve of mine with analysts. And it kind of shows you either. He's very green. He hasn't grown um, and hasn't done the homework. There's a play in the game, and he asked Jim Nance, would you blitz here on this play, Jim? And Jim is almost, like, silent. Like, that's what you're getting paid $20 million to tell the audience. Tony, you are supposed to tell people as a former quarterback in the league that, hey, I think there's a blitz coming here. You know, I played the position, and I know this is a spot where they're going to come off the edge, and they're going to come after the quarterback. So let's watch out for that. He's asking Jim Nance if he thinks there's a blitz coming, and Nance just silently blew the question off. I mean, it's an uncomfortable situation when you are the play-by-player and the analyst tells you or asks you for your analysis. Now, it's not that Jim Nance's analysis is not warranted. That's not what he's getting paid to do. When you hear that happen, that tells you that the guy who's in that role is ill-prepared, he's not ready for that position. And to be the number one guy and do stuff like that, this happens all the time, by the way. Conversely, Greg Olson is a breath of fresh air. He explains rules. He explains why things happen. He gives you detailed information on plays and blocks and coverage. He is very good. And quite frankly, as we roll into topic number two here, Phil – Fox has a huge problem with what's coming up here because Tom Brady's retired. He's getting paid to take that job and people don't want Greg Olson to not have that job. It is going to be very interesting. And apparently he has a clause in his contract that says if he gets another number one job, he can leave. I don't know where that other number one job is, but heck, I wouldn't mind seeing Greg Olson paired with Jim Nance, but CBS is not buying Tony Romo out of that contract. They just paid them way too much money. They're going too far down the road. They've got to keep rolling.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably premature still to 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 know exactly what's going to happen with the, the Burkhart Olsen side. You know, the other option is the three-person booth if they wanted to bring Brady in there. Can't see that um, happening, your thirty
2: You're paying a guy $37 million to be the third man in the booth. I just can't. It's a possibility. I can't see it. The only, I, I, I look at it like this. Does Fox just say, we have Tom Brady, and he it was not necessarily, a role was not defined for him. This was supposed to be some sort of broadcasting, but also like an ambassador to be in on like sales meetings to get like those. Maybe he just, you know, I, I, I hate to push a guy out the door, but, you know, it's Terry Bradshaw getting to the point where, hey, maybe he's time to move on. And Brady becomes the new Terry and just kind of slips into that quarterback spot on the panel, and maybe that's a way they can use him. Um, because and, and frankly, is that better
1: for Brady too, from from a retirement standpoint? I mean, does he want to be on the road all those weeks of an NFL season, going to all these towns, you know, um, you know, production meetings, all these things? Is is that like a you know, kind of a relief of sorts for Brady if it it turns into a studio role.
2: Well, and the other thing I see is if Fox is going to use Gronk, who's not very good, by the way, that's, I'm being honest, Gronk is not good and it's not because he's not good. He just sticks out like a sore thumb on that panel. You got a bunch of buttoned up, tightened up guys who are being serious and Gronk wants to be a goof off and nobody on that panel is really willing to be a goof off with him. Maybe Brady and Gronk could be the new two guys, and then you have Strahan and Howie as kind of like, you know. But Gronk just sticks out like a sore thumb on that panel, does he not? I mean, I don't know. Do people think Gronk's doing a good job? I feel like he's reading a script and trying to be serious about what he's
1: reading, but that's not who Gronk is. Well, Gronk to me is another example, and we've seen this in other cases. You know, Drew Brees comes to mind, you know, last year. Of being thrown into positions before you've done the, you know, the reps in advance and in and, and paid your dues on the TV side, and, and not so much paid your dues, but learn about how television works and what it takes to, you know, to to be on stage like that and on those those highest levels. And you know, it's it's no fault of of his, but you know, I think some of these guys get thrown in positions where they're just. They're not prepared. They haven't, you know, he's a he's a football player. He's not a broadcaster as of yet. You know, he he all these guys, they they need to put in the time. And, you know, I thought it was great how they would bring in Olsen when he was still a player because those reps proved really beneficial down the road as far as him getting prepared to to who he is today. I mean, obviously he's a he's a fast riser altogether. He hasn't been in it that many years, yeah, you know, Phil, including I, those years. You you could probably
2: um, comment on this a little bit more too. I know that I can. Part of what makes those teams gel is a friendship and a bond and liking that guy and having that. Burkhart and Olsen have a history. They sound like they are having fun calling the game together. I don't feel like Jim Nance is having fun calling the game with Romo. I almost feel like he liked it at first and then was like, hey, this is the cool guy. And now he's like, oh, man. Uh, this is not going the way that I thought it was going to go.
1: Well, wasn't the word on the street when they first got started, Nance and Roma, that they were buddies um, uh, away from television and that they, were, they, were, they would golf together and they were pals? And that was part of it. Like, it, it was bringing two friends into the booth and that the, the, the chemistry was one that was very natural because, you know, these guys really get along away from the booth. You know, it's I, I I see Nance just kind of struggling with you know the 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 style side of things now. Like you said, like an analyst throwing you a question while you're the play-by-play announcer. Yeah. You know, hey, hats off to Nance. I mean, he's handled it extremely professionally and, and gotten through the, these broadcasts. You know, a, as well as you could expect, but. Yeah, you know, I I, I think it's it's kind of on Romo, you know, and, and also well, on... I will say this too. I think Burkhart does a great job of
2: setting Olson up too. It sounds like they have storylines together. They play off each other well. Some of that is on Nance too, of not like you have to be able to set your guy up. I don't know that he sets him up the best. I don't know. You know, him and Phil Sims had a great relationship until Nance thought that Phil Sims was no longer any good at his job. So. You know, some of that is on him setting that guy up. And and I talk a lot about, you know, do you have conversations? Do you know if the game is not a good game? Some areas we want to go, like we want to talk about. Uh, One of the things I think Romo really struggles with is the depth. He does not have the depth to really break down a play. It is just a bunch of generalities of, oh, that's a great play. It was great. It was super great. It was a great, super great. Like he's just putting adjectives on top of them. Because there's no depth of what he's watching there. And it's very frustrating as a viewer when you're really... I watch the NFC game. I got Greg Olson telling me, what a great block. Watch this here. He's got him. And look at his hips. He's turned his hips here. And he really seals off that blocker so that the running back can go right off of him. I see why that play was successful. From Romo, I'm getting, that's just a super great run. He just super ran great. And there's a huge difference In a viewer's experience from those two calls.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think Dance is doing what he always does. You know, he has set up analysts throughout his career. You know, we're going to talk about Billy Packer later in the show. He did it with them for for decades. You know, he knows how to set up an analyst. You know, there's no doubt about that. You know, I think it's Romo kind of just – a little out of control here what you're describing also getting caught off guard at times and you know it's it's something that's going to take some hard conversations probably if they're going to write this ship and that probably will come from the very top you know there's a story about dick Ebersol of nbc sports and he kind of noticed this uh happening with romo before you know it kind of uh you know hit the the cyberspace and everything and everybody started piling on and all this and you know Ebersol said I would have the conversation with them. I would be in, you know, um, have a meeting with them and 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 get to the bottom of this and get this ship righted. And it probably will take something like that as far as someone from the top in terms of, you know, an executive producer or, or that kind of thing. You know, having that that tough conversation. We talked about it before how. You know, rare those conversations are, you know, when, once you hire somebody, you have trust that, you know, they, they know what they're doing and, you, you know, you let them go out and be themselves and do, do their thing. But, you know, this is, you know, probably reached a, a boiling point of sorts. I,
2: I wonder, yeah, um, and listen, if Olson gets pushed out, does he say, I want to try to find a number one job? I don't know that that number one job's out there. Um. You know, CBS, I guess, has Romo. They're paying him for another I don't know, eight years or something like that. I mean, he's got some long-term deal at some very preposterous money. So I don't think they're going to buy him out and just, you know, move him on. So Olsen either takes the number two job with Fox. Fox could take a detour, put Brady on the pregame show. I suggested that maybe they do a gronk Brady type of Manning cast on FS1 to try to gain awareness of that channel for their shows during the week. I mean, they have shows during the week that I don't know that anybody's watching. Um, but if you put Gronk and Brady on FS1 on a Sunday, the problem is I don't know how that works with, the, with what games that f- they could actually be watching. Does FS1 have the rights to air the games that are airing on the Fox channels? I mean, I guess that would be a thing. But, I mean... You could have Gronk and Brady sit in a room not watching, you know, something to where those two guys, because I think they like Gronk. The problem is, I don't think Gronk fits with what they have right now. Brady understands Gronk. If you have Olsen, do you want to push him out and move him to the number two spot? They got a problem, Phil, that I would not want to be a part of.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It'll it'll be interesting in terms of how that, that all shakes out. I do think, even though, you know, you don't think it's conducive the the three person booth is an option and so what we'll, we'll see if if that's which way it goes but um yeah we'll wait and see and i guess in the short term you know they announced their super bowl lineup actually just a couple of days before the tom brady retirement news so like the the fox press release comes out on on monday and a couple 48 hours later or so you know brady is announcing his retirement and you know all the the usual suspects are on the the Fox press release as far as that Super Bowl coverage, Burkhart, Olsen, Andrews, Rinaldi, Mike Pereira, uh, you know, as the the rules analyst. By the way, I do want to give a shout out to Gene Steratore. He was a bright spot on that CBS um, well, you know, yeah, uh, broadcast. Well, yeah, because Romo right?
2: kept throwing it to him because he didn't know anything. Hey, what do you think, Gene? I, I, what are you talking about, Romo? You're the analyst. You kept throwing it to Gene Steratore. Poor Gene had to break down every
1: play and but Gene delivered. Hey, good, great job by <laughs> him, um, you know. So Mike Pereira will be the rules analyst um, you know, with with Fox and you know, they they, they bring quite a bit to the table these guys who've been doing it a long time the the rules analyst and then, you know, the the pregame shows and so forth. So we'll see if Brady appears on the the pregame show perhaps. You know, I think it's a, you know, it's safe to say he probably won't be in the booth, but who knows, you know, like um, he, he taped that retirement, um, you know, statement, it looked like my old stomping grounds, you know, uh, Miami beach, you know, it, I was looking at the background. I'm like, Oh man, I I've, i kind of been on that beach before, but, um, you know, who knows, you know, this is just, everything's so fresh right now. And, uh, we'll see if, if he shows up in, in Glendale, Arizona, um, in, you know, a week or so but uh yeah it's gonna be fascinating and uh I know you hey Mike you're heading to the S- to Super Bowl yourself you yes. know but before we, we 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 move on to the other sports uh tell us a little bit about that vibe up in you know Philadelphia the, with the Eagles head in there and then you know your your plans as well well I
2: mean the Phillies were in the World Series three months ago now the Eagles are in the Super Bowl for the second time in five years it's just been unbelievable the vibe uh getting ready for this thing and you know the fact that the Eagles are back uh you know um, I'm going to be in Arizona uh, for three days, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday uh, during the, the event. So hopefully I'll be able to grab a couple of broadcasters and, and maybe even do quick hits, uh, maybe some short uh, interviews for announcer skeds. And, uh, you know, I, I've been out there before and, and got a chance to talk to guys like Kevin Harlan. Uh, you know, he'll be walking around. I, I've had Kevin on the show a few times. We've been trying to get his schedule to work with ours here on announcer skeds. But that's the goal is to be out there. Provide some content here and, and maybe hear some stories from some uh, some analysts and some play-by-players and that kind of stuff. And then my radio show will be live for three days out there. We're already starting to book guests. In fact, I have Mike Golick coming on. Maybe I could try to uh, get him to do a short with us because he is going to be on the uh, Westwood One call with Kevin Harlan, Kurt Warner, uh, Laura Oakman, who I've had on the show before. So we're going to try to get many of these uh, um personalities and, and maybe we can record a, a couple of uh, quick interviews and have like a whole super week of stuff out there. But that's the goal for announcer schedules for the week coming up. So hopefully everybody out there uh, keeps checking the Sports Media Watch
1: feed because we might have some extra bonus material uh, all next week. Awesome. So, sounds great. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to to you reporting on the, the whole scene out there. And, you know, obviously, a, as big as it comes in terms of a media event here in the United States. It
2: really is. I mean, and I've been this will be my fifth Super Bowl. Um, a lot of people kind of look at the radio row as like it's turned into this commercialized event. You got people kind of pushing products and stuff. But I look at it as if you can make the content you know different and better and that's what we try to do especially what we're doing you know i'm not asking kevin Harlan about the, the eagles and chiefs game when we're doing announcer schedules we want to know more hey how did you become the voice of westwood one for the super bowl tell us about that journey which i think is you know very cool for the people who uh like what we do here so hopefully you know you check back on the feed uh for more stuff like that but there's a lot of great opportunities after heck You know, Ron Jaworski, he's generally out there. He was the Monday Night Football analyst for a bunch of years and love to talk to him about that uh, path, if we can get people like that. So make sure you check uh, the announcer schedule podcast next week.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator Sounds great.
1: Yeah, really looking forward to it, Mike, uh, hearing how that all goes. And, yeah, best of luck to to you and your crew.
2: Yeah, so uh, with that, let's get into – and I know last week we recorded on a Thursday, and later that night uh, Billy Packer passed away. And I almost texted you uh, to see if we should put something together, you know, quickly. And I think you and TJ actually beat me to it. But Billy Packer, to me, what a huge story – Because he's not a guy that I think, like, everybody knew him because he really just did college basketball. It was one of those things where you only kind of saw him those times. Now, he did college basketball, but, like, he really shined in the NCAA tournament, which is only, like, these couple weeks a month. But he became so synonymous with that event, I mean— Man, when I saw that, I said, man, first off, it didn't even seem that he had been gone that long. That's how good I thought Billy Packer was. And, and when I saw that he passed away, I said, man, this
1: guy was just a, a, a mammoth part of, of the college basketball tournament. Yeah, you know, I encourage folks to look back in, into the archives. Did that show with uh, TJ and also he had Tim Brando on the program as far as talking about the legacy of Billy Packer. And yeah, for people our age, Mike, you know, he's ingrained in our consciousness as far as those final four calls, you know, throughout the eighties and the, in the nineties and so forth. And, you know, when you add up the numbers, it's just mind boggling how, how long he was doing it. Network analyst for 34 NCAA final fours from 1975 to 2008 with NBC and CBS. You know, he also was uh, calling ACC basketball for decades with Raycom and and JP sports and his play-by-play partners over all those years, Jim Nance for 18 of them, uh, Musburger for six of them, Dick Enberg for five, Gary Bender for three and Kirk Gowdy for two. So that's the final four side of things. You know, he was part of this legendary team with, um, NBC in the late 70s of Dick Enberg and Al McGuire, you know, the three-person booth. And a lot of people, you know, that really kind of, you know, shaped their interest of NCAA college basketball. And, you know, the games that he called were just off the hook. You know, you're talking, you know, the Bird Magic game in, in, in 79. You're talking the Michael Jordan bust-out game in 82 when they they beat Georgetown those upsets nc state in 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 villanova you know in the the early 80s and they just go on and on as far as you know the 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 places he was you know uh tj and, and tim both talked a bit about his his impact on college basketball as a whole you know he was also a business person who helped broker a lot of the deals to you know make these games that were so attractive for for network television happen as far as like you know uh teams for different conferences playing each other and that kind of thing and ultimately evolving into what March Madness is today. Uh, Billy Packer, just a huge, huge part of all that. So if you're a college basketball fan, you know, what you uh, see. These days, every March with March Madness and the NCAA tournament, it wouldn't have been possible without the, the efforts and the contributions of Billy Packer.
2: Yeah, uh, and he was a feisty guy, too. He told you like it was, man. I mean, he didn't sugarcoat things sometimes, uh, including uh, this is a call that I uh, kind of dug up that I just absolutely remember, and, and it makes me laugh every time I hear it. Take a listen. Rush way outside three. Of course. Of course. This game... Is over. Is it? Yes, it is. Wow. With seven and a half to go in the first half, Kansas pummeling North Carolina. That's uh, him saying, this game is over. And uh, Jim Nash is like, is it? I mean, the game's early in the first half of the game. And he just basically made the proclamation. (laughs) Then there's the call. I remember this play. This play, by the way, Phil sent me. Uh, I just had Jay Williams on my radio show on Wednesday. This play, Jay Williams is a part of, and it is a fantastic call. Steve Blake, Maryland.
1: Green Blake Wilcox. Blake knows exactly what's coming up. Coach K says, hold up. Looking back at
2: Coach K and snuck in and stole it away for an easy two. Look at Blake's eyes when he saw Jason Williams turn his head and then takes it in on a tough layup against Jason Williams who can sky sensational first half by Steve Blake. Just great stuff there from Billy Backer. The play is great. I mean, for those of you who uh, were watching the video, Jason Williams looks over at
1: Coach K and the moment his head turns, Blake. Boom,
2: goes in for the steal.
1: Yeah, you know, and Dick Enberg on the the play-by-play for that one. So that's really cool. I mean, everyone associates Dick Enberg with NBC Sports. He spent 14 or 15 years with CBS, uh, 2000 to 2014, and this was when he was with CBS. And kind of cool as far as, you know, we talked about Enberg, Maguire, and Packer in the late 70s, early 80s. Well, here was Packer and Enberg reunited, you know, and, and they would do games together. For CBS and uh, yeah, just uh, awesome as far as that call with with those two and you know Packer would also take on the refs big time big I, time like I mean he would go get after these guys
2: oh he was and, and just a feisty guy thirty four by the way um, he covered thirty four Final Fours between NBC and CBS um, and you're right he he was like I said he was a feisty guy and it's like you missed that element of these broadcasts now where it seems everybody's so chummy and so friendly, but even the aura, that's another problem. I mean, that Steve Blake game, the difference of, like, these four-year players, those rivalries where, hey, we going at you for four years. Like, Duke, North Carolina is, uh, I believe, this weekend or, or next weekend. No, it's this weekend. Yeah, this weekend. is yep. this weekend. You're in North Carolina, so you might feel differently. It just doesn't feel the same. Now, the teams aren't as good. There's no Coach K uh, there's no Roy Williams, but there's no four-year players to make this like we hate you. You know what made those games was a Billy Packer uh, 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 explaining Blake against Williams and Hansborough and and Christian Leitner and Cherokee. Those guys are gone. And these games are these one-year players, and they're gone, and now the coaches are gone. I, I think this Duke, North Carolina, is going take a is taking a big hit. You're down there, so maybe I'm wrong. But when I watched that video, it brought back, like, how big those college games were with a kid like Steve. You don't see a Steve Blake anymore. You don't see these four-year players. You know, you beat us twice, freshman and sophomore year. We're coming back after you to make those games and those calls. Feel so much bigger.
1: Yeah, I, I agree that it's hurt the sport as far as the the one and done stuff and and all that, and especially the regular season. You know, as as you're describing, I mean, re- remember those Big East matchups as well. You know how how huge those were, the the personalities and and so forth. You know, March Madness is 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 popular in its own right, but it's kind of taken on a a different shape where you don't necessarily know the the teams and the and the players inside and out, like you're saying, as far as guys sticking around for for four years, but you know, the, the excitement is, is, is still the same as far as the unpredictability of it. And, you know, obviously, you know, people getting on board, filling out their brackets and and all that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, just, just, just wild as far as this, this Billy Packer legacy, you know, his first final four was in 1975. Jim Nance will call his last final four this year, this, this spring, you know, he, he made that announcement as far as him, you know, um, know stepping back from the the final four calls so in other words from 1975 to 2003 which is basically a a half a century either packer and or nance on the call of a final four which kind of blows your mind as far as that kind of longevity of announcers you know and billy packer one of the all-timers no doubt we can't we can't overstate this enough and you know if if you I encourage you to dig into the history. If you're into this stuff, uh, announcers and, you know, um, what they do and so forth, you know, Billy Packer's definitely one worth a study.
2: Yes. I got one more that I love uh, because this is right in my wheelhouse when I was kind of growing up. Who else but Simon. They're not going to foul him. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon says championship. <laughs> he hits it right on the nose. Simon says championship, and Lute Olson's getting his hair all messed up. I mean, the pictures told a great story, and then there's uh, Simon down on his knees holding the basketball. Billy Packer, man, uh, that one. Uh, you know, I love the I love the NCAA tournament. So this one kind of uh, was an eye opener uh, that one of the voices of my favorite event uh, is now gone. So uh, we we. You know, we remember Billy Packer with some calls there, um, and some college basketball news. We got a couple other things we want to tip off uh, here on college basketball. Jay Billis, and uh, give us some
1: news and notes on some of the other things happening in college basketball world. Yeah, well, one thing I, I do want to discuss a little bit here, and and I know you frequent uh, because you're you're a, a West Virginia guy, Big Twelve now on ESPN. Plus, so there was a game earlier this week, Kansas versus Kansas State, matchup of two top 10 teams. And the game wasn't on linear television, so it wasn't on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU you know, uh, you name it. Instead, it was on Big 12 now on ESPN, so a digital platform. And the broadcast team originally announced was Boog Shambi, Jay Billis, and Chris Budden reporting. And like this is a top tier announcing team um, ends up Boog didn't end up doing the game. I, I'm imagining it was because of of travel situations with you know with all these winter storms and stuff in the middle of the country. Mark Neely, who's from that part of the country, stepped in. So it was Neely, Billis, Budden, and for Jay Billis to be on a game on a, a digital only platform is a little bit of an an eye opener. You know, as far as you know, just it's unprecedented in in my opinion as far as a name to to that degree being on a digital only broadcast maybe maybe i'm i'm missing another example but what it tells me also is the emphasis that espn is putting on you know this package in particular big 12 now on espn plus but also on trying to you know get more and more people to to subscribe to ESPN plus and big 12 now on ESPN plus isn't done like the, the rest of the ESPN plus games when it's on that package, there's a lot of production elements, a lot of resources being poured into it. So it's basically the equivalent to a linear broadcast. In fact, probably, you know, better than than some of them that wind up on, on certain networks and they pour a ton of resources into it. I, I did a game with them, Way back when they just started Big 12, now on on ESPN Plus, and I, I remember asking, like, you know, what what's the deal with this exactly? And you know, the the answer was, you know, that this is a a, a, a rebrand of sorts, and it's going to be on the digital platform, but we're treating it like a big time broadcast, and we're we're gonna we're gonna send the the you know the the right people out to these games and and so forth. And this was an example of that, but you know, there was some some pushback and, you know, some, some people complaining on, on Twitter and that kind of thing that, you know, they couldn't find the game and I can't believe this game is on, you know, uh, 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 digital only and on an, uh, you know, you got to go get an app to, to watch it and, and that kind of thing. But it, it's kind of a, you know, maybe a sign of the times. And then also kind of, kind of interesting, you know, as far as just, you know, the, the commitment to this big 12 now on ESPN plus, you know, I know as part of also the, the big 12, um, TV contract negotiations. So, you know, that, that's part of it too, but yeah, it's just, it was sort of interesting and sort of a aha moment to see Billis on Kansas, Kansas state on ESPN plus.
2: Yeah. I've seen a lot of games. I, I watch a lot of, if you're a college basketball fan, uh, ESPN plus is a phenomenal invention. I mean, you can just watch game after game and I like to watch, you know, all levels. Like I'll watch a stony Brook Long Island game trying to, you know, just to get the feel of, the broadcast teams and all that kind of stuff you know i i find like you know there's so many different games on plus but you're right i've noticed that they're starting to put some higher level games uh on espn plus there was another one ah uh, that was like and, and by the way kansas and and um uh, who was in the game kansas and kansas kansas state kansas, kansas was kansas state, this right. past week that was yeah. that past weekend uh they were two very high ranked teams there was another game that had two, like, top ten teams recently that I was looking for, and I had to go to Plus to go find it. I, I can't uh, – it's, 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 I watched so many different college basketball games. But yeah. I'm noticing – I'm guessing
1: it was another Big 12 game. It was. was it was case. a Big 12 yeah. game
2: because it was a Big 12 Now game. So, um, yep, uh, Jay Billis, Mark Neely, uh, Chris Budden on Big 12 Now. And uh, we had a very interesting uh, all-female production crew for a game.
1: Yeah, this was cool to see Marquette at Villanova for women's basketball. You know, earlier this week it was National Girls and Women in Sports Day. You know, a uh, you know nationwide celebration as far as the impact of in women's sports and so forth uh you know Billie Jean King a, a big part of you know getting all that started and Marquette at Villanova had a game over on FS2 and from top to bottom you know everybody in terms of the production crew the announcers which were Sloan Martin on play-by-play Play, and Kim at- Adams as the analyst Megan Caffrey was the reporter but every camera person every audio engineer product producer director you name it was female you know and so that was kind of cool and that they have the 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 depth now to be able to do that that wasn't the case not that long ago where you know there there weren't female camera operators or audio engineers or producers or directors and and all these things so you know it's kind of that that glass ceiling is starting to to change and so forth and this was a this was a nice touch i think by the you know the folks at the big east and also you know fox sports to, to put that together
2: Very cool. So uh, there's your college basketball. By the way, it's an interesting college basketball. West Virginia's playing Oklahoma on Saturday. That game's going to begin on ESPN News. It's then going to switch to ESPN 2 because ESPN added the Lakers game because LeBron's closing in on this record, the scoring record. At the end of the game – ESPN 2 will switch back to West Virginia. So just another little college baseball. The announcers are going to be all over the place. Hey, we're on ESPN News. No, now we're on ESPN 2. Uh, but they kind of wedged this game, this Lakers game, uh, in there.
1: Yeah, so the, you're referring to the Oklahoma-West Virginia yep. game, Mike? Yep. Yeah, so so Chucky Kempf and King McClure have been announced to, to be the broadcasters on that one and you know the game preceding it um you know there's there's a big 12 game earlier that they haven't settled on the network either espn2 or espnu mark neely and chris patola on texas and kansas state and then um yeah it looks like things open up you know for that indeed lebron game coming yeah. in and you know there, there's there's more of that next week as well espn radio has picked up a couple of the LeBron games yeah, next two. week so that the yeah so Tuesday and Thursday next week the the Lakers play uh those games will be on TNT TNT has the national rights on those Tuesdays and Thursday nights and then ESPN radio with our buddy Mark Kestasher and PJ Carlissimo have added those games as well so you know the the media world is you know kind of shifting you know towards the Lakers as uh LeBron approaches Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's you know just mammoth point scoring record
2: yep and uh lebron did say the other day hey he plans on playing multiple more years so he's going to stretch this scoring record out tnt thursday nba uh we are taping tonight these are some of the games tonight some familiar voices but let's take a look at now the nba with football kind of stepping aside on thursday uh a month ago this is the nba time on thursday nights
1: yeah, uh, there's a couple games tonight if you're you're listening to the show on Thursday. Grizzlies and Cavs, uh Kevin Harlan, who who continues, you know, to be all over the place with, with his schedule. Uh Reggie Miller, Stephanie Reddy on the, the TNT call. That's another ESPN radio game. So Kesscher and Carlissimo uh will start their, you know, adventures in Cleveland, and they'll be on that one tonight if you want to tune into the radio. And then the late game is Clippers bucks with Brian Anderson, Stan Van Gundy and Jared Greenberg. And in addition to the Saturday action, you know, there's, there's the Lakers game, there's Mavericks warriors on, on Saturday night on ABC. And then there's a Sunday game, Mike, uh, 76ers Knicks up at Madison square Garden. Ryan Rucco, Richard Jefferson, JJ Reddick and Monica McNutt. That's a 6 PM tip off ESPN Sunday. So sort of taking advantage of the idea that, you know, there other than the pro bowl activities, there's no NFL, uh, alas, you know, for, for basketball programmers on Sunday and, you know, uh, chance there for ESPN to get in on some Sunday, uh, NBA action.
2: Yeah. And, um, as we talk about that game, Sixers, Knicks, you mentioned, uh, Ryan Rucco, Richard Jefferson, JJ Redick, JJ Redick is uh, quickly becoming, uh, he's already done. I, I like him a lot in terms of he's very level-headed explains plays well. He, he's very good. I, I think ESPN um, hopefully it will expand his role to even more uh, moving forward here. I think Redick can really be uh, one of the premier guys in, in terms of analysts uh, from um, the small amount of games that he's been given. I think he's quickly adapted very well to that role. You mentioned uh, LeBron all next week, so you get Lakers games all the time. And uh, as you mentioned, those games that Tuesday, Thursday, they did add those to radio as well with our buddy Mark Kessinger. If you missed Mark Kessinger on the pod, go back to the pod feed. You can hear our conversation
1: with Mark Kessinger. What's going on with this Bill Walton show? Well, this thing is a trip. No pun intended, Mike. You know, throw it down with with Bill Walton. It's a NBA game, an alternate presentation every Monday night on the NBA app. And this thing is just pretty wild. If if you are a fan of Bill Walton and, and, you know, you think the basketball gets in the way of a Uh, Dave Pash or Roxy Bernstein, Bill Walton call check out this one. And Jason Benetti has the inevitable task of being Walton's play by play man. They do it from Walton's living room. This set is absolutely out of control as well, as far as, you know, just the, the relics and the, the souvenirs and things that, that Walton has from, from over the years. And, you know, Walton and and Benetti, you know, getting it done on the NBA side on Monday nights. Bridges. I love bridges. Golden Gate Bridge, Coronado Bridge, the natural
0: bridges. Yes, the George Washington Bridge, the Brooklyn Bridge. It's all right there. The bridge, the ultimate metaphor for life. The ability. Oh, come on. What great defense. Poke that ball away. Where's the transition?
1: Double V getting the job done. Bridges again! Oh man, Bridges has just been outstanding here in the first. So he gets sick-
2: that, like you know, um, I hate bridges. By the way, I, I I'm afraid of heights, and when I drive over bridges and I look out and all I see is water, it uh, gets. You don't want to drive with me or next to me if I'm driving on the bridge. But what a great concept! These are the things like I think. I wonder if you're going to see more of, but obviously it's hard because, you know, you have to have the rights to the game. The fact that they have the rights to the game to be able to broadcast it in that form really makes it a big deal.
1: Yeah. And, you know, just playing off the name Bridges, which, you know, that you know there's a Suns the player Bridges, with, yes. with that name. Yeah. And just like kind of uh, riffing on that, it's a kind of, otherworldly style that remember we were going through vin scully highlights uh last summer yeah. and how he would weave the different stories in <laughs> and out. you know this is completely different obviously kind of a a, a ludicrous you know uh, uh way of looking at things at times but i'm a big fan of walton you know i'm, I'm a lifelong grateful dead fan i've seen him at grateful dead shows how can you miss him you know, with, with the, the height that, that, he, that he offers. But, um, you know, he's been to like a thousand dead shows over the years and so forth. On this show, he had um, John Mayer, come in uh, as a special guest who plays with dead and company and you know um you know big part of that scene as well and also had charles barkley on the show so they're bringing in some some big guests as well sort of manning cast style there and you know just kind of a a fun way to to um you know spend a monday night as far as checking out throw it down with bill walton on on mondays all right let's
2: uh go over to baseball which uh pitchers and catchers uh, about uh, 16 days for now. From now, on the day we're recording this, and uh, so baseball is back, and baseball is still filling a couple of free agent spots. No, not to the rosters, to the broadcast booth. And this uh, first one we're going to get into, uh, kind of eye opening, I think.
1: Yeah, this first one is is big, big news in terms of the broadcasting world. Chip Carey, uh heading from the Braves to the Cardinals after a long, long run, you know, with the Braves. The son of Skip Carey, the grandson of uh, Harry Carey, and um, you know historians of, of broadcasting will will know that Harry Carey was a longtime broadcaster with the St. Louis Cardinals before becoming the the Cubs broadcaster. In fact, you know he he was so ingrained there that you know Cardinals fans, you know he was he was a you know totally identifiable with the Cardinals, you know, and he ends up um, getting into a conflict with. Uh, the Bush family, you know, Anheuser Bush, yeah, that Bush family, and ends up losing his job with the Cardinals, becoming the Cubs announcer. And that, you know, sort of announcing tree branches that direction. If it wasn't for that, who knows what would happen um, on the Cardinal side of things, you know, because Jack Buck, you know, inherits that job with the St. Louis Cardinals. And obviously, you know his offspring Joe Buck you know what one, one of, we we know all about him as far as you know you know what he has contributed to the world of, of broadcasting so it's kind of interesting as far as like how that all works itself out but uh chip carry to the the cardinals is is big big news in, in the broadcasting world you know it took a little while for the cardinals to to fill this spot and there was quite a bit of speculation but they ended up getting a big name
2: yeah and that means the brave job is now open and uh, we've seen some other buzz around uh, the Braves stuff. And we've got some other news around the Mets and the Dodgers.
1: Yeah, so we, we keep on hearing Tom Hart's name as far as, you know, there's a, there's a few Braves beat reporters who are doing, uh, you know, reporting on the opening with the Braves. And uh, Tom Hart seems to be, you know, one of the top candidates. For those who don't know him, college football, college basketball, Uh, with ESPN uh, does a lot of stuff on the sec network as well Uh, has done baseball on ESPN radio uh, quite a bit over the years you know uh, here and there Um, also has some some minor league baseball experience and then was part of the Braves broadcast um, you know a few years back as you know sort of a you know I can't recall exactly but sort of a host slash reporter type role so you know we'll keep an eye on that if that ends up uh, manifesting there Um, you know we had heard the name Ben Ingram as well, but you know, then then there was a report that said that Ben Ingram was going to stay in his role as the you know the the primary radio play by play announcer of the Braves. A lot of people you know are, are big fans of him. Uh, have also heard the name Rich Waltz, who was with the Mariners and the Marlins, currently with CBS Sports. So we'll see what happens with the Braves. Hey, that's another. Big gig too, you know, that that's a big footprint here in the Southeast as far as, you know, uh, Braves and their, their following. And obviously their product on the field has been, you know, a lot better as of late as well.
2: Yeah, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty big news right there that the Braves job is open. The Cardinals job now filled. There was a lot of people rumored for that job. Uh, that's filled. Got the Mets job as well with a uh, familiar voice in the
1: Philadelphia market. Um, so why don't we uh, fill the people in on that? Yeah. So Wayne Rondazzo, um, we, we spoke of him, I, I believe last show, you know, he ends up leaving the Mets radio crew. Uh, he had also done some work with, uh, Apple TV plus, and he became the the primary television play by play announcer for the Anaheim angels. So that opened up a, a spot with, with Mets radio and Pat McCarthy, the son of Tom McCarthy. Um, it, this is a, this is a big, you know, uh, step up for him you know so congratulations to, to pat mccarthy this is a significant gig yeah you know for for an up-and-coming announcer and it'll be kind of interesting up up in your neck of the woods mike you know we got uh, Tom McCarthy with the Phillies and now Pat McCarthy with the Mets, you know, two teams that, you know, certainly don't get along <laughs> in yeah. terms of their fan bases. So that's kind of a cool little uh, uh, side note, but congratulations to Pat and the McCarthy family, you know, well-deserved. I know he, he's done some some great work and really been working hard to, to get to this spot.
2: Well, he had stepped in a few times late in the year when his father was doing some other football assignments uh, late, late in the season here. Uh, Pat would kind of take over and do some of the radio stuff. Sometimes they'd bring Scott Franski to do TV, but generally they would keep Pat. Uh, he also was doing some sideline stuff uh, late during the playoff run there or, or you know, um, for the NBC Sports Philadelphia here. But Tom McCarthy, his father, who's been on the podcast, he's told these stories, but you can go back and listen. He worked with the Mets radio booth and then – uh, Pat will kind of take on a similar uh, – was in a similar role with the Phillies, and now Tom, who was the backup play-by-play and answer uh, for how he rose during the Mets broadcast on the fan back in 06 and 07, that kind of springboarded him to, to what he does now. His son was kind of doing that, but very quickly. I mean, he was only doing it in with the Phillies for this past season, uh, and his name, you know, just kind of boom, and now
1: he's – Got the Mets job. Pretty quick rise there. Yeah. So um yeah, but looking forward to that. Hey, I have the function on the MLB app to be able to listen to the hometown or the home team radio calls, and I'll, I'll look forward to tuning into the Mets. And if folks don't have that, that that's a, that's a talking about. You were talking about ESPN Plus. What a great functionality as far as being able to catch the local radio calls of of any game. And so sometimes what I do, I'll pick an MLB game and I'll toggle back and forth. I'll listen to a half inning from, you know, one broadcast crew and then a half inning from another. And it's kind of, kind of a cool way to get to know these guys style and and so forth. So cool to see Pat McCarthy with the Mets. Yeah. Very cool.
2: And then I got some quick Dodgers news before we get to college football.
1: Yeah. uh, Steven Nelson. uh, This, this was released uh, a week or so back Play-by-play announcer now for the Los Angeles Dodgers on the TV side with Sportsnet Los Angeles. Uh, folks may remember Steven with the MLB Network. Uh, also this past year with that new Apple TV Plus package, he he did a bunch of play-by-play work. He'll be the lead play-by-play guy when Joe Davis isn't uh, handling play-by-play duties for the Dodgers. So uh, keep an eye out for that throughout this season. And he becomes the only Asian-American announcer you know working Um, on this level in, in major league baseball. So, um, you know, another kind of um, groundbreaking bit of news there, but uh, congratulations to Steven Nelson and, you know, we'll keep an eye on him on Dodgers television.
2: All right, let's bring it home with some college football news. And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, Chris Felica back in about two months ago, I guess it was uh, that that is now official. He is on Fox and he will be a part of the big noon kickoff.
1: Yeah, Chris Felica, Chris the Bear Felica. You know, this news broke at the at the uh, end of last college football season. And, you know, he he did his last college game day show. I mean, he was there for almost 30 years at ESPN. And, uh, you know, just I love his story. Um, I've got a personal connection to him because uh, he was a University of Miami guy who worked in the same office as I did, the sports information office in the 90s uh, before he headed to, to ESPN. Graduated from from University of Miami in 1994. Then he got started at at ESPN. And, you know, he was a research guy, a producer, a stats guy. And then he evolved into an on air personality, Um, you know, being part of that show every Saturday morning on College Game Day, also co-hosted the popular Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast and kind of got into this sports wagering side of things. Well, he's now with Fox Sports and what he'll be doing with them is he'll appear on Big Noon Kickoff, the Fox's version of College Game Day That that is continuing to grow every year and creating quite a competition between the two Saturday morning shows. Uh, he's also going to be part of fox's new horse racing coverage uh they're going to have the inaugural presentation of the belmont stakes this year on fox so that's that's something new a new wrinkle and uh, Felica will be part of that, and he's also going to contribute to college hoops and some soccer coverage and that kind of thing. So, c- congrats to Chris Felica. Cool to see him official now with with Fox Sports, and uh, really looking forward to seeing the Bear, you know, more and more down the road here.
2: Yes, and yeah, uh, uh, I'm going to be very interested to see how ESPN replaces him, what they do with that role. I mean, that was a big part of their show, having him throw the Bears up with his picks and always had some interesting tidbits and information. Are they going to try to find someone to replace
1: him? Or are they just going to scrap that whole part of the show? That was a big part of the show. I don't think you can replace him necessarily. Like I I think that would be almost like a uh you know a feeble attempt to try to replace him because he was such a unique you know, segment and one of a kind, I mean, he basically was just being himself. He was there pounding away on a, on a laptop, doing research, feeding guys notes and all this. And then they would say, Hey, let's go back to over to the bear. And he'd give a pick here and there and that kind of thing. And, you know, just kind of a cool, um, aspect. Now they might use that element, you know, from time to time, maybe with some other shows or even, you know, um, in games, that would be interesting as far as, you know, maybe looping in the the, the research guy. But, um yeah, I, I think those, those are really big shoes to fill if you were trying to, you know, literally recreate that segment with somebody else.
2: All right, Phil, that'll do it for us. Episode 34 in the books. We hit a bunch of stuff here, of course, as we do each and every week on the announcer schedule podcast. Don't forget, rate, review, subscribe, leave a comment. Uh, Get this out there. Retweet it when you see it on Twitter. Anything you guys can do certainly helps. We're on the Sports Media Watch feed. Uh, We generally come out on uh, Thursdays is when you can get us. We do our best to try to get them out uh, religiously on Thursdays. But, you know, we got schedules. We got things going on next week. I'll be on Radio Row, so check the feed for hopefully some bonus coverage. We're always – you know, working on trying to get some things done. You know, sometimes we do some standalone interviews. Uh, Sometimes it's just a pod. Sometimes we'll do both together. Uh, But always check the feed. If you just subscribe, you'll always get the little ding when we're out there. So hopefully you enjoyed episode 34. Uh, Feedback, always encouraged. Let us know what you guys think. We had a good conversation about Romo and Olsen uh, and Brady earlier in the show. So let us know what you guys think. And we'll be back next week for episode 35 of the Announcers Schedules Podcast. For Phil, I'm Mike. Have a great rest of your week and weekend, everybody.